1932, and evil is about to be thrust onto the world like never before. Now, a year from now, Adolf Hitler is about to be formally appointed as Germany's new chancellor. And in the shadow of the Nazi flag, outside of their window and across the street, a family lights their menorah for Hanukkah for one of the last times. This light is important and perhaps more important today than ever before. On this episode of the Jewish Road Podcast, we talk through why we celebrate Hanukkah today, and especially why it is important in the face of evil. Hey, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with my dad, Ron Davis. Say hello. Hi, folks. I'm here. (laughs) I'm here. There you are, yes. (laughs) Well, thank you for making your presence known. here in the Jewish Road, uh, we've been walking the Jewish Road, and uh, right now we're walking through a little bit of the holidays here. And uh, you can't help but notice wherever you go, there's holidays. It is the most wonderful time of year, and you know you probably have as you're walking through the mall, or maybe you're seeing all the lights. You're thinking, "Oh, the Festival of Lights! Finally, Hanukkah is here." Or maybe not. But we want you to know that beyond. The latkes, beyond the even the menorah or the dreidel game, uh, there is something very significant about this holiday, and we really want to connect that, especially for the time that we are in today. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The times today, the times then, um, the relevance between the two. Yeah. So we're going to get into that in a second, but before we get really intense and really serious, let's just take one moment. Oh. Okay, to go one. back to the Catskills. There you go. That's your favorite place. <laughs> we could actually do that. Like, just go there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But for now, give us a taste. A little Jewish humor. Okay. Let me let me tell you about a story here that is about a Yiddish mama. It's a Jewish grandmother. And by the and, way, you remember my last joke on the last podcast, and you did not think it was all oh, that great. So okay. I'm, I'm expecting great things with all the criticism I've been getting oh, lately. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, folks. That's here right. we go. The Yiddish mama here. Yiddish mama. Last year, just before Hanukkah, Miriam, who is the grandmother, the Yiddish mama, was giving directions to her grown-up grandson who was coming to visit her with his wife. And she tells him, she's giving him all these directions. You know, they have to give directions to everything. So she says, you come to the front door of the condominium complex. I am in apartment 2B. And then she says, there's a big panel at the door. With your elbow, (laughs) push the button 2B, and I will buzz you in. Then she says, come inside. The elevator's on the right. Get in, and with your elbow, hit 2. And when you get out, I'm on the left. With your elbow, hit my doorbell. (laughs) Grandma, he says, listen, that sounds easy. Her grandson, whose name is Jonathan, says uh, to her, but why am I hitting all these buttons with my elbow? And she says to him, you're coming to visit (laughs) empty-handed? It's good, no? No, it's all right. It's just okay. It's all right. All right. They're, they're such nudges, these these grandmothers. Well, make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. It's a part of being Jewish. Nudge is another word for bossy. And you don't have to be a grandmother. Pushy, pushy. 
Yeah, pushy, bossy. Like they're they're constantly imparting their will upon you. Yeah, I have a thirteen year old that's just like that. But anyway, we we digress. <laughs> she's not even a grandmother. No, but she's gonna. Boy, is she gonna be a. <laughs> she's, I will. She's in training. I will be long gone by then. Oh boy. Be, can you imagine that day? All right, uh, let's get into this. Uh, this is important. Um, beyond beyond the tops and all the fun dreidel games and all all the presents and all that stuff. Uh, by the way, real quick, did, did you when you were a kid? Did you have presents for Hanukkah? Oh, did I have presents? Yeah. Listen, when Hanukkah came, yeah, we went to Bubby's house. Uh huh. Bubby's and grandma. Bubby, his grandma. Like a Yiddish mama is also a Bubby. Bubby, and uh, I got my my present. It it was called Hanukkah Gelt. Oh, nice. Gelt is money. Yeah. I got a silver dollar. Oh, that's it. That's it. Oh, not like cars or new shoes and clothing no, and shopping? No, no 10-speed bikes, no nothing. All right, I'm going to tell the 13-year-old that and yeah. see what she says. Yeah. All right, so beyond all of that, um, there, there's actually something incredibly significant, and it's it's even, I, I think it supersedes the holiday and some of the, the celebration. There There is a story within the story that I think is much, much bigger. Um, and... The, what, what we talked about in the last podcast as we went through the history of, of Hanukkah is is really, there. there's always been an enemy against Israel. There's always been uh, somebody who's tried to take our people out. We, you know, we, we joke about it a little bit, right? Like they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. Uh, but there is something that is incredibly significant about the hostility towards the Jewish people. Um, and it, if only it were in our past... I think is maybe a good maybe that's the title it, of this, it, this podcast. If it only if it only were in our past, that's a good that's a good title. You know, it raises its head in every single generation. Yeah, you know, Marilee, she sent she sent me something she saw on social media. Yeah, uh, you yeah, know, how I do saw you saw that too? You saw that? Yeah, oh, yeah I'm impressed. But the, the question was, show me. There's been like a history of anti-Semitism yeah. without. Uh, telling me about it right and you go to wikipedia and type in the history of anti-semitism and you'll see every century throughout humanity there has always been people who have come against almost every decade within every century yeah yeah Yeah. so you're impressed i was depressed when i read it yeah yeah (laughs) i i was depressed about that because again if only it were in our past uh, but it's still very much a part of of our present and unfortunately our future too. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So we we enter into this and uh one of the things that we said uh in the opening here was that there there was this this picture. We we started out with Hanukkah in 1932 and I uh you can maybe find this if you uh if you go to uh, we'll repost it up on our our social media go to the Jewish Road. But I want you to listen to this. Um, I think it's so significant. Uh, It's Hanukkah, it's 1932, and it's in Germany. Um, And this is the post. It says, It was on a Friday afternoon right before Shabbat that this photo was taken. We'll also put the photo up online. Uh, My grandmother realized that this was a historic photo. And she wrote on the back of the photo that their flag wishes to see the death of Judah but Judah will always survive, and our light will outlast their flag. Pause. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, define what's Judah. When it says, 
uh, that their flag wishes to see the death of Judah. That's the Jewish people. The Jewish people, right? Yeah. So, and if you could see this picture, um, you're inside of a home. There's a windowsill, and there is a Hanukkah menorah sitting on that windowsill, and just behind it, outside in the house across the street, hanging there, is the Nazi flag. Yeah, yeah, kind of a horrifying sight, uh, and you know, a sight between the two that really clashes. Yeah. And so she writes on the back, their flag wishes to see the death of Judah, but Judah will always survive and our light will outlast their flag. And it, I, mean, I think about this, one of my favorite places to go in Israel is Masada. And yeah. you know the story of Masada, you go up there, it's the year 73, it's been nine months in Rome. This is the last holdout before everything in, in Israel is totally destroyed. Uh, and there are people who are taking their lives rather than being caught, right? And, and going into slavery, right. uh, you know, to Rome. Uh, but they take... That they take, man. I almost like don't want to say this because you got to go to Israel with us to do it because it's so powerful there. But you, if you, when, when they became a, a nation again in 1948, they go up to Masada, they excavate, they go into the synagogue of Masada, and they go into the scriptorium, uh, the place where they would hold the script, the the, yeah. the scrolls, and they they dug up in that spot and they found the scrolls, these scrolls that had been buried for. Almost 2,000 years, years, right? And unlike a Bible, if I close my Bible, my book, you don't know where I read last, but if you roll a scroll, you know where they did last, right? And they found two scrolls there. One, uh, they knew that they read uh, Deuteronomy 30. It says that the Lord will bring you back into the land. They knew on their last day, on their last night, even as it felt like that flame, the, the people of God, the, the Jewish people, Judah would be extinguished by Rome. It was that, and it was uh, Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones, right? That God yeah. will breathe uh, new life into these dry bones. Uh, but those were the two parts of the scroll. It just seems that... Our people have this perseverance and this knowledge that though they slay me, we will conquer. And it, it's based, it has to be based on the goodness and the supernatural uh, sustenance of God. Yeah, and it, it shows that constantly in the midst of the suffering, uh, there is a hope. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, and that's what they're looking at. Uh, they're not sure exactly how all of that fits. I mean, we're 40 years post uh, Messiah and resurrection, and yet they're holding on to the promise that's in Deuteronomy. It's in the Torah. That's what they have. Yeah. Well, the, this post goes on to say, and I'll, I'll put all of this on a, a blog post. I'll, I'll put it somewhere. I'll put it everywhere. It says, my grandfather, the rabbi of the Kiel community, was making many speeches both to Jews and Germans. To the Germans, he warned that the road that they were embarking on was not good for Jews or Germans. And to the Jews, he warned that something terrible was brewing and they would do well to leave Germany. 1932, right? Yeah. My grandfather fled Germany in 1933 and moved to Israel. His community came to the train station to see him off. And before he departed, he urged his people to flee Germany while there's still time. This is Yehuda Mansbuch. Is written on the back of the photo, Hanukkah 5692, which was 1932. Uh, Judah dies, thus says the banner. Judah will live forever. Now today, uh, this menorah lives on. Um, in fact, if you go to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Memorial in Jerusalem, um, this menorah belonged to the Posner family. 
Right. And it's there at the Yad Vashem. Almost. Except Almost. for. Yes. So that menorah and the photograph, that photograph are on permanent display in Yad Vashem, uh, which is the Holocaust History Museum. But each year, the menorah is returned to the family for one week when Rachel and Akiva's descendants continue to light the Hanukkah candles using the same menorah that was brought to Israel from Kiel 90 years ago. Wow. Just stop the podcast. That's, I mean, what else do you need? That's a powerful story. That, that is right there. And, and yet, uh, we look back at that and we can take some warnings from that even today, can't we? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably many of our listeners are familiar with an author and speaker. His name is Eric Metaxas. Yep. Uh, he wrote several biographies. He wrote a biography of William Wilberforce. Uh, I think probably one of his best is the one that he wrote on Bonhoeffer. Yeah. But he recently wrote a new book. It's called A Letter to the American Church. And in that, he draws parallels to where the German church was in the 1930s, that exact era that you just read about with the menorah and the Nazi flag across mm. the street. He draws parallels uh, between that in the 1930s, which was very grim. In fact, the rabbi said in many of his speeches, you need to get out of here. And he did. He went to Israel, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and so he draws, Eric Metaxas draws some parallels, and it's a terrific book. I, w I would promote it, and I would say, get this and read it. It's a good one. Um, but he draws parallels between the German church of the 30s and the fact that they were silent in the face of evil and asks the question whether the American church of our time may be guilty of the same thing. Yeah. And so... Uh, that's, that's kind of a, an awareness that we have to uh, put before our eyes and ask ourselves the question because, listen, with all of the things that we see taking place, and we see them taking place in this country, uh, if the church does not stand up, uh, the church is the conscience of the nation. And if they don't, uh, the nation will be lost. But... I think that um, God has his plan in terms of where he is taking us and what he's doing. But in the meantime, uh, and, and we're not getting political, right? This is not political. Uh, it's not political because God talks about what do we do in the face of evil. Whenever there's evil, we have to speak out against it. And political, call it, call it whatever you want. I've always said that Jesus was political. But the fact is, is that it's time for believers to really stand up and be a voice for what evil is taking place in the country. The rise of anti-Semitism that is taking place uh, it is rising at a tremendous rate in New York City. And we need to uh, think also about what is taking place with the Jewish people and Israel. And we need to take a stand, and we need to uh, let our voices be heard with that.
political. But we can push this just a little bit. And I think this is important because, you know, out, out of all of the, the people in the world, um, today there's what, about 15 million Jewish people? Yeah, we just got back to where we were before the Holocaust. Right. So before the Holocaust, about 15 million people. Um, about 8 million uh, in Israel. So there's now finally more Jews in Israel than anywhere else in the world. It used to be there were more Jews in, in New York. Is that what New you're York, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're at 15 million out of a world that I heard that we just crossed 8 billion. So I don't even have the, the ca- I need a calculator to figure out the math, but not very many. I think from- below 2% of the entire world population. No, no, it's less than that. It's way less than that. Less than 1%. Yeah, it has to be. Now I have to get a calculator out. As you're thinking about that, like, that is, let me let me see, that would be 8, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, divided by, what is it? It's, oh, no, 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 it's 15 million, and it's divided by 8 billion. That's that's a lot of zeros. 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. I don't think your calculator will hold that many. Oh, I can't. It, it just put a number up there yeah. that I can't. It's, all right, we'll figure that out later. Yeah. But all, all that to say... It's nothing. It's a it's a blip on the radar, and then we have so I I mean maybe it's just because this is what I I see on on social media and it's my feed right like my feed has my feed has you know all of these Jewish things and I look at Merrily's and it's all horses and happiness but um, <laughs> <laughs> and boy is that the truth uh, but I I look at this and anti semitism is rampant around the world yeah uh, it, it, this small little people group. Is so hated by everybody. We did a podcast a couple a uh, couple podcasts ago. We talked about this. The fact that the church does nothing in the face of anti-Semitism is a huge stumbling block now and historically for the Jewish people. Yeah, they yeah. look at that and they say, "Well, they could have done something. They should have done something. They did nothing." And yeah. even the church in Germany, Metaxas, he writes about this, right? He he talks specifically about this that. Uh, you know, in fact, he says that because of that, he is compelled to speak out. Yeah. And he talks about the Jewish people in, in a part of this uh, book as, as well. Um, you know, so it, it, this is really an important issue. You know, I was just reading some statistics. Uh, I think maybe it was Barna that uh, put them out. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I'll double check myself. But uh, in New York City, uh, just in this last year, uh, there was an attack on Jewish people, an anti-Semitic attack on, on a Jewish person within the five boroughs of New York once every 16 hours. Oh, that's huge. That's, yeah. And you know, a lot of those attacks, anti-Semitic attacks, don't get reported. Yeah. So, uh, well, and, and are, even even scarier. So 15 million Jewish people in the world. And then you have a bozo like Kanye West. Now yeah. his name is Ye, right? Yeah, yeah. And and he is spouting off, and obviously like he's lost it, but he's spouting off anti-Semitic slurs, and he's going off on on you know the Jewish people, and he's just he's spewing forth. But the the scary thing about that is he has more than twice the amount of followers on social media than there are Jewish people in the world. Wow. In just one rant, he is reaching more people than there are Jewish people in the world. It's not helping the cause. Yeah. Well, the the enemy is hard at work, and I think he's hard at work because he knows he's getting close to the end. Yeah. Well, and that's that's what I would say, is if I've seen anything, if I've learned anything over the last three years, 
uh, as we've gone through this era of the pandemic and COVID and all that, is that evil has organized. And, and evil is, I can't believe sometimes how coordinated evil is. Like worldwide, uh, the, the organizational effort put on by the enemy is pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, what you're seeing and what you're referring to right now in the last couple of years, this has been brewing in the back laboratories for decades, maybe 50 years. Uh, and they have been waiting for an opportunity and the COVID pandemic provided the opportunity. They saw how well they could control people through fear. Oh, now you just went political. Oh, yeah. But it's the truth. You're holding back. <laughs> you're holding back though. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, you know, I... I I got to meet a German pastor, and you know there were the death marches that went throughout throughout uh, Germany, and uh, what his church started doing was they called it the March of Life, and what he said was he said that our fathers were guilty, our fathers in Germany were guilty of the sin of silence, and he says we are not going to stay silent anymore. Um, I think we have just two passages that we really wanted to look at. I want to look at. Um, Isaiah 62, and then you're going to wrap us here with Ezekiel, yeah? Okay. All right. Uh, so I want you to just hear this. It's Isaiah 62, it says, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. I love that against the backdrop of that Instagram post of the the light, right? The We're, we're going to... We're going to light this menorah in the face of, in the shadow of the evil, the Nazi flag, right? And nations will see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. But then it says, on your walls of Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen all day and all night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Oh. It's an invitation by God. He, you're not going to wear him out, but give him no rest. Um, do not be silent um, all day and all night. These watchmen... That, that is our calling. That is what we're supposed to be doing in this age, in this era. And I mean, how long ago was Isaiah written that now it's still just as poignant as ever, if not even more so today? Yeah. And you have to realize in all of this that God's purpose is to bring everyone to know him. Uh, I just recently finished reading through the book of Ezekiel, and what really jumped out at me this last time, that I, and I read through it you know, many times, but uh, this last time, what really jumped out at me, and I started uh, making a note by all of these verses, so many that he says that in his judgment of the nations, his purpose is making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. Uh, in his judgment to restore Israel and all that he puts the Jewish people through, then you will know that I am the Lord. In his judgment of other nations, constantly says, you shall know that I am the Lord, you will know that I am the Lord. That is the whole purpose of God, that we will know him. And, you know, 
I need to I need to bring this to a conclusion here. But as we go through Ezekiel, the last chapters from chapter 40 to 48 are a description of the millennial kingdom and the millennial temple and all the measurements, and I'm not going to go through all of that. But when we get to the end of chapter 48, the last verse of Ezekiel, uh, he says in verse 35, the circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits, and this is the important part, the name of the city from that time on shall be Yahweh Shammah. In other words, what that is, it shall be the Lord is there. It's not going to be Jerusalem. It's going to be the Lord is there. It's going to be known as that because you remember previously, if you read through Ezekiel and beginning in about chapter 8, 9, 10, 11, the glory of the Lord departed from the temple in Israel, but now the Lord is there. He has returned, and his dwelling will be there at the temple in the very center of all of this. And so the ending of the story is that the Lord restores. Uh, Israel will know him. Those nations who believe will know him, and they'll enter the kingdom. And this is what uh, we are looking forward to, the faithfulness of God in fulfilling all of these promises. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, we kind of stumbled on it, but if only this was all in our past, but this is very much our present, and it's very much our future. Um, I'll also say there's not many places on earth where you're going to get this perspective, um, and that's why we decided, like, we've got to talk, we've got we to say something, and that's why we started the podcast, that's why we started this ministry, and I believe... <laughs> Our best days are ahead of us, but we're going to have to go through a lot of worse days before we get to those best days. Yeah. Uh, and whether you know, there's economic issues, whether there is violence, whether there is all, all of these things, that the hard things that we're going to have to encounter, um, that does not mean that we are called to put a pause on the Great Commission, uh, right. that we are still called to go out there, and even more so now and in the future, uh, that message needs to get out. Yeah, making disciples beginning in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other part of the world, of the earth. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because I've been in Jewish ministry for 47 years, ever since I became a believer. Uh, that's where I had to be. And uh, it's interesting because all of our efforts have always been along the lines of proving the Messiahship of Jesus as the Jewish Messiah out of Old Testament scriptures, prophecy, and all that, and that's good, and we need to do that. We need to keep doing that. Uh, we need to not neglect that, but the times that we are living in now, uh, we, we need to also focus on the fact that he has not only come in the first time, but he's returning, and that's what we're getting at as well. The Messiah has come, and he's coming back. Yeah, so what we do here, I, I think, is significant, and that's why we are still involved in doing this ministry. And what's what's also interesting, you know, we can see underneath the hood, we can look at the analytics, and what's what's really great, we know that there's a bunch of you, our, obviously our main audience is here in the States, there's 5% of the folks that are listening to this right now, you are in Israel. And we say to you, Shalom and Hag Sameach. 
Um, but we want to be able to go out and to be a light in this festival of lights, in this feast of dedication. And it's it's why we end every podcast by saying, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. We say pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, and we, as as believers here in America, we're, we're calling out, we know most of, of you who are listening, you are Christians who go to a church, um, but the call is do not keep silent. Um, in this season of Hanukkah, uh, we remember that God once again restored and, and protected his people, and, and he will continue to do that. But what we really want to do is we want to we wanna say, number one, thanks for listening, but we also want to say we want to keep doing this, and we want to ask you to partner with us in this, that we link arms together, that we join together. Uh, you know, year-end is coming up. And we are a 501c3, so you can you can make a donation all the way up until the end of the year, and that can be tax deductible, and that's great. But what it does is it, it allows us to be able to sit down and do what's necessary here, and you know keep the lights on for the ministry, so that this message can go out. I saw you nodding at me. Are you doing something? Did you want to say something? Yeah. Oh no, I I agree. Oh, um, okay. Good. You know we we need those that support. Uh, for us to be able to get out there, for us to pay the bills of the ministry, there's a, quite a few of them, and so we, we're thankful for those who are uh, partnering with us. Yeah. So now more than ever, uh, it's important that we we partner together. Um, we hope that you know by the time you're listening to this, it is Hanukkah. Um, at some point, we're going to release this during Hanukkah, um, hopefully before it ends. But you can also just join in the celebration. You can watch some videos, and it'll, it's like a mini course that you can go through. But go to thejewishroad.com. Uh, slash eight nights, the number eight, uh, and then nights, and then you can follow along. You can kind of see, and we give you some tools to understand this story. And obviously, we have a whole litany of podcasts and blog posts and all of that. But you can also go to our website, and up in the top right hand corner, it says donate, and you can also go there and you can make a donation. You can do that uh, one time, and you can also do that recurring, and you can uh, support us. So uh, we are thankful. There's a lot more coming up. We have a lot of plans, and uh, listen in a podcast or two as we wrap up season three. We're going to let you know what is to come for 2023 so i think it's it we're done we wanted yeah. to be short and we just we lack the ability <laughs> jewish what can you say <laughs> we, we tried so hard we oh, really yeah. we but we just well we, imagine what it would have been if we didn't try to be short yeah well and for zion's sake we will not keep quiet we won't shut up yeah that's it <laughs> all right well thanks for listening and until next time shalu shalom yerushalayim yes we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They will prosper. We love it. Shalom.